Hey, hey, y'all. Good morning and welcome to the Story Church. We are so excited you're joining us this morning, whether you're in person or you're online. We're just really glad you're here worshiping with us. It's an honor. It's a privilege. So thank you for coming. Um, This morning, we're on week two of our new sermon series called I'm Out, responding to three reasons people are leaving the church. And if you've been a part of the story for any amount of time, you know that this is a sermon series that's like part of our DNA. Like we love inspiring non-religious people to follow Jesus. So a sermon series that takes these questions and these reasons seriously is something we love. And if you grab the study guide on your way in, you'll see at the top there's a bunch of statistics about um, people leaving the church. But to be honest, we don't need statistics to tell us that less and less people are at church. Basically, just go to any church on any given Sunday morning after COVID, and you'll see there's just less people coming back. And that is especially true of young people, of my people, of millennials and Gen Z. Many and many in that um, population are just not coming back to church. So what we hope to do in this series is we hope to listen to these questions to take them seriously. We hope to build bridges for those who are on the fringes of church to come back. And then maybe most importantly, we hope to equip you guys as listeners to ask better questions and to give better answers when people give you these reasons for why they're leaving the church. Because like Melody prayed a few moments ago, um, all of us have an incredible opportunity to share the light of Christ everywhere we go. And a lot of you will be in a really cool opportunity to do that this Thursday at your Thanksgiving table. Uh, Thanksgiving can kind of be like a melting pot, right? You see that cousin that you really didn't want to see, and that creepy uncle shows up every single time, and you're with people that you don't usually see on a given year. And if you look past the turkey and the Cowboys game on TV and the apple pie in the oven, I promise you will see people who are struggling with their faith. You'll hear people who have really deep questions about God or about suffering or about their feelings, and you have an opportunity this Thursday to provide them hope or maybe just to listen, really listen to the questions they're asking. So in week two of our sermon series, I'm Out, the reason for leaving that we are addressing is maybe one of the hardest ones so far, and it is, I am not feeling it anymore. I'm not feeling Jesus anymore. I'm not feeling the church anymore. I'm just not feeling like it's real. And if I can't feel it, then it must not be authentic. Working with young adults, this is what I hear all the time. I hear it a lot from kids who are in youth group going up and then they go to college or maybe people who are in vibrant college ministries and then they enter the working world. They kind of have this gap when they don't know where God went. Like they don't know when they lost God, but they're not exactly sure where he is anymore. And statistics show us that one third of students who are active in youth group will end up leaving the church and college. It's a sad reality. And a lot of parents I talk to, since I'm the student ministry coordinator, I talk to a lot of parents, and they're really worried about this. They're really concerned about their child leaving church. And they tell me, Dylan, What if our student walks into Philosophy 101 in the first day of college and a professor tells them that God's a lie and tells them they have to write God is dead on a piece of paper and turn it in so they get a passing grade? Well, I tell them, that's a movie. That's God's not dead part one. That's not actually a real situation. 
I'm not going to deny that maybe this has happened at one time in one college campus in like Portland, Oregon. Sure, maybe it happened. But the vast majority of students don't leave the church because some philosophy professor tells them he's not real. Most students leave the church because they just don't feel God anymore. Ed Stetzer, the leading researcher from Lifeway, said this about college students who leave the church. He said, it's not that most rejected the church. For the most part, they simply lose track of the church and stop seeing it as important to their lives. So what he's saying is it's not one big deconversion experience. Rather, it's a hundred or maybe a thousand tiny decisions that take us further and further away from God. Maybe you join a new fraternity, a sorority, or a club and hang out with a different group of people. Or maybe you spend all day Saturday getting ready for the football game, going to the football game, partying after the football game, and then Sunday morning, instead of going to church, you have to catch up on your homework or sleep in. Or maybe the most popular excuse I hear is, I just can't find a church I like. I've tried them all, but none of them is like the story, or none of them is like, insert your favorite church here. And we use that as an excuse to stop seeking out the body. So what would you do if your college freshman came home tomorrow for Thanksgiving break and told you, mom, dad, I'm not sure if I can go to church with you this Sunday. I'm just not really feeling it anymore. Or what would you say to your friend who told you that at coffee this week? Or what would you say if you yourself felt that way? Like, man, I'm just not sure the last time I felt God's presence. Well, the first thing I would tell your college student or you or your friend is that you are not alone. Not feeling it anymore is a season we all experience. And we have to realize it is a universal problem. It's important to realize that this doesn't make you abnormal. The church often doesn't make room for people to feel this way, but guess what? I have felt this way. There's people in this room who feel that way right now. And if you look in your Bibles, it's a biblically verified reality. There are tons of people in the Bibles who don't feel God for a season. A perfect example is Psalm 13. If you have your Bibles, you can open with me there. That'll be our main text this morning. Um, but Psalm 13, this is a psalm from David. And here is what King David wrote. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look at me and answer, Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Man, I love a passage like this in our Bibles because it's real. And the Bible doesn't cancel or hide emotions or feelings like this. It's right here on the pages. We can see them. And David a man after God's own heart, David, the greatest king in Israel's entire history, felt like God wasn't there. Not feeling God is not a death sentence to your faith. It's a feeling that all followers of God will face at some time in their life. The question is, what do you do once you have that feeling? 
How do you respond? Because one way to respond is say, I'm not feeling it anymore, so I'm going to use that as an excuse to flee. I'm going to leave. Or it can be an opportunity for us to press in in our faith and for us to develop and mature as Christ followers. But for that to happen, for us to mature and for us to develop and for us to get through the season of not feeling it anymore, we have to realize that feelings are significant, but they are not sovereign. Our feelings are significant, but they are not sovereign. So what do we do with our feelings as believers? Like, how do we interact with them? Um, Like most issues in the church, um, we have two extremes, and most churches fall on different ends of the spectrum, right? So the first group are churches who feel like feelings are worthless, And we all know churches like this who try to live like an emotionless, flat religion where it's like pull yourself up from your bootstraps, pray, read the Bible, serve, even if you're miserable, keep on doing it. And a lot of times um, when these people worship, it just feels kind of off. Like I grew up in a Baptist church and I love my Baptist roots, but a lot of times when I looked around at worship, this is what I would see. be singing these bangers in the early 2000s, like, our God is an awesome God. He reigns. You remember that song? And I'd look around and everyone would look miserable. It looked like they'd been forced there by gunpoint. Like, what are we doing? How are we praising God with a frown on our face? But then you have the other end of the spectrum where worship just becomes like a feeling or a vibe. And um, if you've been to Pentecostal services, sometimes it can feel like that, right? I mean, I've walked into Pentecostal services and thought, am I saved? Like, what do these people have that I'm missing out on? But it can kind of be like another planet. It's a different kind of experience. I told you, right? It can feel out of this world. And the issue with this extreme is you only worship when you feel good. And if you don't feel good, then like, is God absent? Like, are you missing God? And both of these extremes can be unhealthy. So when we look at our Bibles, what do our Bibles teach us about our feelings? Well, first off, when I read the Bible, I see that we have both highs and lows. I mean, that's reality. We can't deny it. Remember David, the same man who wrote this psalm that said, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? This same guy is recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 6, dancing in the streets. It says, David danced before the Lord with all of his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David, at one point in his life, is like yelling up to God, like, God, where are you? And then at another season in his life, he's dancing in the streets almost naked because he is intoxicated with the joy of Of the Lord. We can have both highs and lows in our faith. And I would argue we can have both highs and lows in our faith in the same day. 
Does that ever happen to y'all? Like in the same day you can go from uh, high to low? That literally happened to me this Wednesday, right? Like I woke up on Wednesday morning and I was already feeling kind of sick. And it was a sermon week. So I'm like, God, like, please help me to feel better. Like, I I need this. I need a productive day. And as soon as I get in my car to turn it on, my battery's dead. My wife works 30 minutes away and no one else was closer. So I called my wife. She had to leave work. She jumped my car. And then I went to O'Reilly Auto Parts and they told me they couldn't fix my battery because they were understaffed. And then I go to the next hardware store and $200 later, I get a new battery And I drive to church, I miss my meeting, and I sit down, it's one o'clock, and I haven't even started my sermon yet. And I'm like, God, not today, where are you? And then, six hours later, I was here in this room at worship night. And literally, it was the most powerful night of worship I've been at in like years. And we had like 50, 60 people in here with their hands raised singing, there is power in the name of Jesus. There were kids dancing over here in this corner. And like, I felt God's presence in such a real and awesome way. It was incredible. And in the same day, it's just one picture of me going from high to low. So the point I think we learned from scripture in our own lives is that feelings can be really great. When they align with God, they can lead to really awesome moments. But feelings are always great servants. They are never good masters. Our feelings can serve us, but we can never let them master us. Because the danger of giving feeling the ultimate authority is we begin to trade the truth of the gospel for what feels good in the moment. And I feel that tendency, y'all. I know we want to do what feels good, but our feelings, they change. They're relative. We can't always trust them. So we as a church need to navigate a middle ground where we realize that feelings are helpful. We need to listen to them. We need to acknowledge them. And we need to realize that they are God-given and God-honoring but not all feelings are faithful and not all feelings should be obeyed. What would your life look like? Look, what would your life look like if you obeyed every single feeling you had? Mine would be awful. If I obeyed every single feeling that popped into my brain, I would be an awful person. So how do we know what feelings are good and what feelings are bad? Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians is talking to a church who is having problems interpreting prophecy. And we're not really talking about prophecy this morning, but I think the same tests can be applied to our feelings. Paul tells the church to test them all, hold on to what is good, and reject every kind of evil. So when we feel something, I would argue that we need to take it, see how it aligns with scripture, and if it's good, keep it, engage with it. But if it is bad, Toss it out, hold it captive, do not let it master you. And if we keep reading Psalm 13, which we'll do right now, we see that David understands this. David knows that his feelings are real, but he knows how to test them against God's word. So right after David said, how long, Lord, will you forgive me forever? He says, but I will trust. I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. 
how do verse 5 and 6 follow 1 through 4? It seems like a really abrupt shift. But I think David understands something that can be life-giving for us this morning. Just because my feelings for God have changed in a moment, God's feelings for me have not. God's feelings for you will not change even if yours change because God is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow and forever. Your feelings are fickle, but God's feelings are forever. And we cannot get wrapped up in the lie that if we don't feel it, it's not real because our salvation was never um, authentic because we felt it. Our salvation was authentic because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross and you not feeling Jesus can't erase what he did. Nothing could erase what Christ has done on the cross. So even when you're not feeling it, God still feels love for you. And once you've understood that, once you've understood that not feeling it is a universal problem and it doesn't change how God feels about you, then you have to do the hard work of understanding, why am I not feeling it? What has gotten in the way between me and God? We have to discern the symptoms. Because saying I'm not feeling it can kind of be a way to sidestep what's really going on. It can kind of be a broad, surface-level answer. But I think we as Christians need to dig deep and think seriously, why am I not feeling it? What is blocking my relationship with God? These are four questions that I asked myself this week and four questions that I've asked myself in different periods of my life when I wasn't feeling it. The first thing I asked myself is, are you too busy? Now, every time I see someone in Houston and ask how they're doing, the first thing they say is good. But if I ask them the second time, like, no, really, like, how are you? They'll say, busy. I'm just so, so busy. I just got this going on and this vacation and that project at work. I'm just, I'm just so busy. And today in our culture, we wear like busyness as a badge sometimes, like a badge of honor. Like, look how busy I am. But if we want to spend time with, if we want to um, be close to God, that means we have to spend time with him. And activity does not always equal intimacy with God. Our activity does not always equal intimacy. And that's something that's easy for me to say, but it's much harder for me to internalize. Because Jesus doesn't want to make you more busy. Jesus doesn't want to just add one more thing to your plate. Jesus actually wants to unburden you. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you guys, but just when I read or hear that passage, I feel like burdens literally being lifted off my shoulders. I feel a, a supernatural peace. And if you feel distant from God this morning, maybe it's just because you're so busy. Jesus wants you to stop. Be still and know that he 
is God. You don't have to work. You don't have to hustle. God just wants you to be with him, to be in his presence. The second question I ask myself when I'm not feeling God, and I'd ask you, is are you bored? Boredom in church is real. I meet a lot of Christians who are just bored with the Western church model of going to church once a week, sitting here for an hour and leaving. And if you're bored of that, I get it. I would be bored too, because that's not what the Christian life is supposed to look like. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be adventure. adventure. It's not supposed to be passive. It's supposed to be active. You're called to do things for the kingdom. And the people I talk to that feel God the most tangibly are always the people who are serving in meaningful ways. I mean, talk to anyone who does one of our Jubilee prison ministry weekends. Like once these people come back, like they're on fire for God. They're like starting groups and writing letters and like, can we start this? Can we start this? Because they just like went to the prisons and now they come out and they're just on fire for God. And the same thing with our Lifehouse Christmas Wishes event that's coming up. The women who serve and put that event on, they just feel God's presence in such a real way during the holiday season. And I think of taking my students to the DR every summer. I love our trips to the Dominican Republic, but it's not necessarily because of the work we do. I mean, I love the kingdom work of painting homes, of laying concrete where there were originally dirt floors, and doing vacation Bible schools. Like those are all really awesome kingdom endeavors. But the real reason I love these mission trips is I can get like a whole year of discipleship and life change done in one week. Like the students who go on these trips, they leave changed. Like literally they come back praying. They come back reading the Bible. They come back realizing that the church is more than just room, but this church is a body of believers all across the globe. The people who go on these trips experience God in a real and tangible way. So if you're not feeling it this morning, maybe you need to get out there and be the hands and feet of Christ. Then you'll feel it. The third reason that we often um, feel distant from God, I think, is that we are blind to unconfessed sin. And this one might be the most common, to be honest, because we always misunderstand sin as Christians. We think sin is personal, that sin is only affecting us, but sin is never just personal. It is always corporate. Your personal sins are affecting your relationships with others, and they're affecting your relationship with God. When you have unconfessed sin in your life, it is pushing God away because God hates sin. Yes, God still loves you, but God can't be near to you if you've built up these walls of sin, of guilt, of shame, of rebellion. I learned this firsthand um, in our re-engaged marriage class that me and my wife did about a year ago. Because see, before we got married, I had some sin in my life that I had never confessed to my wife, Jessica. And in my head, I thought, man, this sin was from like eight years ago. I was sinning before I met her. There is no way this sin affects our relationship. But the further and further we got into the course, I realized that I hadn't been fully open with her. I hadn't let her see all of me. And because of that, our intimacy was being affected. So what I had to do 
was come completely clean. Tell her everything. And even though that was one of the hardest nights of my life, we saw so much life change in that moment. And the same thing happens when you tear down those walls and are completely open with Jesus. When you confess your sins and tell God what's really going on, once you do that, those walls can come down and you can experience life, Christ in a much more intimate way. After we uncover these problems, we need to then find the solution. So what is the solution to not feeling God? I would argue it is to abide in him. Jesus says in John 15, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Abiding, remaining, living, walking in Christ. That is how we feel him. And for me, there are two ways that I abide in Christ that I want to share with you this morning. The first way I abide in Christ is during worship. And when I say worship, I mean like full out, knees on the floor, hands raised worship. And for me personally, I love worshiping with you guys on Sunday mornings for two or three songs. That's great. But I know that I need sustained periods of worship in my life. That means 40 to 60 minutes of worship. Not because that's like a magic number, but I know in my own head that it usually takes me one or two songs to actually get into an attitude of worship. Because every time I come into this space, I have stuff in my brain. I'm working through my lunch plans, my lesson for foundations tonight. I'm thinking about um, the Texans game. And it usually takes a few songs for me to let go of that sin and let go of the stuff on the front of my mind so I can really focus on God and so that I can fully worship him. But when I do that, when I can finally let go of everything and just give Christ my all in worship, I feel him. And it doesn't always have to be in a formal space like this. Some of the best worship sets of my entire life have been in my car, on the way to work, or on a road trip. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like literally the best worship service of my life was in between Temple, Texas and Waco, Texas in a Dodge Ram singing Come Now Fount with my best friend at the top of our lungs. That is worship and that is where I feel like I am abiding, living, walking in God. The second thing for me that helps me abide in Christ is community. And you see community in worship, but it goes beyond that. One of the biggest blessings of the last two years of my life has been this uh, Tuesday morning men's discipleship group that I was a part of. And every morning I'd wake up at 5 a.m., drive to the church, and gather with six to seven other believers. And we would get on our knees together, confess our sins, lay hands on one another, and pray. And the thing about me is I usually hate the mornings. Like, I never wake up at five o'clock unless I have to. Most mornings, getting to that Tuesday morning group was a fight. I had to make myself go because I didn't want to get out of bed. But that's the thing about community. When you're not feeling it, they can feel it for you. When you don't have the words to sing, they can sing over you. When you don't know what to pray, they can pray over you. 
when your feelings don't align with God, they can speak God's truth over you. They can read God's scripture onto you. They can remind you how God really feels about you. Once again, Jesus tells us, as a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain in it. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. If you want your joy to be complete, you simply have to abide in Christ. You don't have to work, hustle, earn. You simply have to live in him, walk in him. The last thing I would ask the student or friend or you that came to me this morning and said, Dylan, I'm not so sure I'm feeling it anymore. The last thing I would say is, you said you're not feeling it anymore. So there obviously was a time when you were feeling it. Tell me about that time. Tell me about the time where you felt God's presence in a real way. And I'm sure you would tell me about a time at youth camp in seventh grade, or maybe Jubilee prison ministry, or a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, or if you're older, maybe your wedding day, or the day your child was born. And I would say you felt God that day. You knew that God was real beyond a shadow of a doubt. Why do you doubt it now? What's, what's changed? Like, honestly, what's changed between now and then? Because I don't think you felt that way just because you were tired and you hadn't been sleeping. I don't think you felt that way because there was an emotionally manipulative pastor or worship leader. I don't think feeling that way was a mistake. I think you felt that way because you were in God's presence. You were in nature. You, aren't, you weren't on your cell phone. You were surrounded by other believers. Whatever it was, you felt that way because you had a real experience with God. Hallelujah for those holy moments with God. Think back to your moment. When was the last time you felt God's presence in a real and tangible way? The devil wants to lie to you. He wants to trick you and make you think that that was imaginary. And the reality is this brokenness or isolation you feel, but that is not the truth. The glory, the goodness of God that you experienced in that moment, that is reality. That actually is the truest reality. And that is a glimpse of what our life will look like in heaven when we're with Christ forever. That is the truest reality. So if you're not feeling it this morning, you don't have to climb your way to God. You don't have to climb up to the mountain and find him. God is with you right there in the pit. Jesus is with you right now if you know it or not. He's sitting next to you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he came down to earth and died on the cross for you to prove it. He loves you. And just because you're out on Jesus, he will never be out on you. Thank God that God's feelings never change. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for scripture. 
I thank you for your truth. And I thank you for the reminder that my feelings are significant, but they are not sovereign, God. I pray you help me align my feelings with what you say about me, that I am a child of God and that you love me. I am chosen, not forsaken. Remind me of that this morning, God. Let me simply rest in your presence and abide in your love. God, I confess my sins. I confess the things that are separating, from, separating me from you, God. I pray you redeem me and allow me to be intimate once again with you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.